Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. My name is Sarah Ann Minkin, and I'm the Director of Programs and Partnerships at the Foundation. In today's episode of Occupied Thoughts, we're bringing you a conversation I had with three incredible Palestinian women activists today, July 9th, 2021. Without further ado, here is that conversation. Welcome, everyone. I'm very happy to welcome you to our program today. Palestinians, grassroots protests, and violent repression by the Palestinian Authority. About two weeks ago, Palestinian security forces arrested Nizar Banat, a political activist and well-known critic of the Palestinian Authority. They beat him to death. Protests against the PA erupted following Banat's killing, and Palestinians across the West Bank continue to take to the streets to oppose the PA's brutality, despite facing violent repression at the hands of Palestinian Authority security forces. Women, especially human rights workers and journalists, are facing particular intimidation and harassment. Today, we will discuss questions including, who are the people going out to protest against the Palestinian Authority? What are their demands? What risks do they face in protest? Why has the PA responded to them so violently? What do these protests tell us about Palestinian grassroots organizing and leadership especially in relation to the recent Palestinian uprisings in Jerusalem and inside the Green Line. And where might things go from here? How is this uprising against the PA part of a larger struggle against occupation, annexation, and apartheid? Thank you so much to our guests for joining us this morning. We are delighted to be joined by Asil Al-Bajeh. Asil is a legal researcher and advocacy officer at Al-Haq, Palestinian Human Rights Organization. She was awarded the Ireland-Palestine Scholarship Program to study at the Irish Center for Human Rights at National University of Ireland-Galway, completing her LLM in International Human Rights Law in 2020. Dr. Yara Hawari, welcome. Dr. Hawari is the Senior Palestine Policy Fellow of Al-Shabaka, the Palestinian Policy Network. She completed her PhD in Middle East politics at the University of Exeter where she taught various undergraduate courses and continues to be an honorary research fellow. And Mona Shtaya, welcome, so glad you're here. A digital rights defender working in the Arab region, currently the local advocacy manager at Hamla, the Arab Center for the Advancement of Social Media. Asil, Yara, and Mona are all based in the West Bank where they live under both Israeli apartheid and occupation and the Palestinian Authority's repression. Thank you, each of you, for choosing to spend time with us and our audience today. Yara, let's start with you. The protests in the West Bank have been covered in major American media, including the New York Times and the Washington Post, and FMEP has been covering them extensively in our daily news roundup. But for our listening audience, let's start at the beginning. Why are Palestinians protesting against the Palestinian Authority right now? Who was Nizar Banat? Saran, thank you for asking that question. It's always important to start from the beginning. And as you mentioned, on the 24th of June, um, just about two weeks ago now, activist and outspoken critic of the Palestinian Authority, Nizar Banat, was arrested and beaten to death 
by the Palestinian Authority Secret Serv uh, Security Services. Now, Nazard was a political activist who spoke loudly in critique of the Palestinian Authority and its increasing authoritarianism, but also specifically about the corruption and brutality of the security forces. And so many are actually dubbing this what happened as a political assassination. And, and since that day, Palestinians across the West Bank and beyond have hit the streets in protests um, in demand uh, for justice for Benat and his family, but also others who've suffered at the hands of the PA security forces. But the chants have also escalated into a larger demand for the fall of the regime and uh, for the end of Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. Um, and I need not remind you all that Abbas and, and PA institutions are a decade past their elected mandate. The PA's rule is increasingly um, done so through presidential decrees. There's mass corruption within the system. Um, it's propped up by cronyism, nepotism, uh, and deeply riddled misogyny. And now that situation has been getting progressively worse over the last decade. But this, these structures in place were built um, that, for the situation to be created. And we can discuss that a bit, uh, a bit more later. But it's important to know that these protests um, across the West Bank, but particularly in Ramallah, have been met with extreme violence and repression at the hands of the security forces, have used uh, so-called crowd control weaponry, such as tear gas and stun grenades, and have actually carried out sweeping arrests of, of those taking part in the protests. Thank you, Yara. Thank you for, for uh, giving us that background and introduction and setting us up. I want to ask you, Mona, to tell us a little bit more, now that we understand why people are, are out in the streets protesting, tell us more about the Palestinian Authority's response. Who are the forces responding to the protests with this extreme violence? Thanks, Sarah, for this question. Actually, the Palestinian Authority brutally suppressed the, the protesters in the streets. We saw Palestinian security forces in their official uniform, alongside with plainclothes police officers and civilians who are affiliated to the PA contributing to the brutal suppression of these protesters. It seems that the PA has a fear of the exposure of its human rights violations against protesters and journalists. So they have broken journalists' cameras and confiscated the, and stole the uh, protesters' mobile phones to avoid any documentation of its human rights violations and suppression for such peaceful protests. They were, they, they were targeting journalists, human rights activists, and some workers in human rights organizations. I believe Asilwell talked much more about this uh, the section. And other protesters who were chanting justice for Nizar and asking for dem democratic renewal. Uh, as we Palestinians had not the chance to choose our representatives since 2006. And even when they decided to hold these elections, uh, as you may hear, they put many restrictions to exclude women and to exclude young people from running for these elections. Uh, almost, they, they were working um, to, to make it almost exclusively for the large parties who are controlling now the West Bank and Gaza Strip. And then we ended up postponing or quote unquote, canceling these elections, which is really frustrating for people. And Nizar was asking just for, or was critique about the corruption and also about the, the political situation that we are living in. 
Mona, thank you. Thank you for describing the, the violence in the street and the targeting who is being targeted, but also tying this uh, the Palestinian Authority's response already to the elections and and um, what the, the power structure looks like, who is invited, who is excluded, what that looks like. We're going to be getting into the, the question of the Palestinian Authority and um, more broadly. So thank you. I appreciate that. And Asil, Mona mentioned that uh, you have personal experience and also that human rights advocates have been directly targeted, human rights advocates and women and women journalists. Will you tell us your experience, please? Thank you. Um, yeah, so as, as Yara and Muna said, uh, and, uh, Muna said the, the protests that have erupted since two weeks were all met with violence and repression uh, by PA security forces. Uh, the, the, ranging from the use of uh, tear gas and stun grenades against protesters and dragging uh, protesters on the streets uh, of Ramallah, uh, beating journalists with sticks, uh, confiscating the, the equipment to document these, these violations happening in these protests. But the, the, uh, from my personal experience, the worst, uh, the worst uh, protests uh, was on the 27th of, uh, of June. And this is in particular because there was a call by, uh, there was a call for a protest to, um, uh, against the killing of Nizar Banat. And at the same time, a counter protest was called for by PA or Fatah loyalists at the same time or an hour earlier to that protest. So what happened is that uh, the protest at that day started at six, I remember, and 10 minutes or less even, uh, we were chanting, people, protesters were chanting. I was there in my uh, Al-Haq uniform or vest to document the violations uh, against the protesters uh, and to film and monitor the situation. Uh, 10 minutes before, after the, the chanting by the protesters, the uh, Fatah loyalists were approaching the protester and trying to make people leave the street. Uh, and as soon as the protester uh, refused to leave, uh, the, the violence began. And this was very rapid. I, I, the first thing I was trying to document was a person being dragged on the ground and being beaten on his head by a group of uh, PE security forces. Now, noting that all these uh, Fatah loyalists and security forces were in civilian clothing, uh, and the police was on the top of the street watching. Uh, so this is the scene that was there. I was trying to document this particular case, and one man uh, approached me very violently, and he uh, kind of uh, took the phone away from me. Uh, and it was uh, this is, was the first time he tried to uh, take my phone from me. Uh, now the level of violence increased very rapidly and people started going uh, backwards to avoid being beaten because uh, they were the, the level of violence and the, 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 they were holding these like uh, sticks. Um, and you can see in their eyes that they are willing to spill blood in the street. Uh, now, what I, what I continue to do is I try to, to document as much as I can the cases I was seeing, ranging from seeing journalists being having their equipment confiscated from them. 
I saw one journalist on the ground and, and a group of men surrounding him, beating him on his helmet. Uh, I've seen some men holding a kind of gas tank, and, and this is a kind of intention to kill uh, uh, if he was left to do it. Uh, I've seen horrible scenes, including uh, they were trying to cram people into buildings. So there was, uh, I had a friend inside this building and a group of men uh, uh, raided the building and they denied anyone to enter the building. And, and as they were trying to find someone or uh, attacking a person in specific. Now, the, the shouting I heard from this, uh, from this building was horrific specifically from women. Uh, the, I, I saw one man coming from this building with blood coming out of his, uh, uh, on his face. Uh, the, the moment I saw some people coming out of, and when I talked to protesters after the protest, what happened inside this building is horrific. It included also sexual harassment against women inside this building. Uh, now, to just to conclude on what happened with me is that uh, they were trying to confiscate any kind of camera or any person, including jur on journalists, and they didn't care if you're a journalist or if you are a worker in a human rights organization. Uh, any attempt to document what was going on was uh, an in intimidation uh, for them. So I was attacked twice after the first time, and the, the third time they managed to take my phone, and uh, the group of men that surrounded me had the intention also to beat uh, if I resisted uh, the, the fact that they wanted to take my phone. And I was shielded by a group of protesters uh, who were beaten also uh, after uh, protecting me. So this is the context of what happened on the 27th. It was um, scary, to be honest, uh, specifically that you are standing in the street and you don't know if you will be beaten by a person because everyone is in civilian clothes. And noting that these people who were attacking uh, the protests are our neighbors and friends and family. Uh, so there's also this kind of um, uh, pain when you are being attacked by your Palestinian brother and sister. Thank you so much, Asil. So this is this is June twenty seventh. What has happened since then? What has your interaction been with the authorities since then? Um, I, I would say there is a kind of fear uh, and. Uh, there's no safety, not just on personally speaking, but there's been, as Yara said, mass arrests against uh, the protesters. And even when uh, people were trying to, uh, uh, one, uh, uh, one protester was detained uh, following that protest and uh, his wife was uh, sitting in front of the police station, uh, police uh, calling for the release of her husband and say, with her children. Uh, and saying no to political arrest. Now, the response to that was more brutality and more repression. The, the police forces attacked all the people who were standing in front of the police, including families and elderly people and women and uh, lawyers and human rights defenders. And the level of violence at that day was also horrific. Uh, so there's this kind of 
fear whereby you know that if you are voicing your demands, you will be met with repression and the, the level of violence reached the point where they don't care if there's blood spilled on the streets. Uh, and actually there's a kind of discourse going on by, uh, from people trying to deviate the issue from being uh, from the issue of people protesting against corruption and against the PA as a subcontractor, the Israeli colonization, and the PA as not being representative of the Palestinian people, uh, and the repression of the PA forces, security forces to these demands, uh, turning the issue into a discourse of this is, uh, will turn into a civil war if the protest will continue. And this is very dangerous because if blood is, is spilled on the street, this is the sole responsibility of the PA. Uh, if, if this is the response, uh, the, the, the violent response, if, if this happens, it doesn't mean that we are talking about civil war because we don't uh, we need not to deviate from the main issue, which is we want to restructure the whole representation of the Palestinian people in order to confront the Israeli colonization. Thank you, Asil. We are going to um, do a deeper dive into the connections between what's what's happening with the PA and the, the role of Israeli colonization and the relationships between. But before we get there, I just want to understand and, and to clarify. So there were at, at the protests, you have referenced each. I think each of you have referenced that um, security forces were, were not wearing uniforms. Uh, and the people who attacked protests were there was a mix, some in uniform, but but it sounds like mostly not. Who were they, and how did you know that they were that they were from the Palestinian Authority? Asil, would you? Yes. So the the suppression of the protest this time is not the first time the PA is suppressing uh, peaceful protests. Uh, Palestinians have demanded uh, their right. Uh, to uh, against in several instances, for example, a couple of years ago, when the PA was sanctioning the Gaza Strip, uh, people went on protest as well, and this was met also by brutal repression. So the the security forces that we are dealing with are kind of familiar faces uh, because of the suppression they do in various. Uh, throughout the history of the, the Palestinian Authority. Uh, and uh, even in these late protests, uh, in one day you will see uh, a security officer in his uniform. The next day you will see the same person in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in civilian clothes. Uh, so this is how we kind of identify uh, who are these uh, security forces. But there are as well many Fatah loyalists as well in these uh, protests, specifically the one on the 27th. Uh, they are our uh, colleagues, they are uh, our uh, friends. Uh, and the, the, the level of violence was uh, maintained by the, the, the loyalists as well as security forces on that day. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying and, and for also um, illustrating how intimate this violence sounds, that you know these people, that you recognize them. Thank you. So uh, on, on that front of this, this kind of um, very targeted, very deliberate violence and targeting, Yara, I want to ask you about 
the specific targeting of women and of women human rights defenders at these protests. Will you help us understand the gendered violence and also the, help us understand the effect that this targeting is having on Palestinian women? Yeah, and I think, you know, demonstrations and protests have long been sites of gendered violence, not just in Palestine, but all over the world. Um, but in the last few, few weeks in the West Bank, we, we have, well, at least I think that we have seen an increase in the targeting of female protesters and, and activists. Um, for example, I, uh, I heard some uh, security forces in plain clothing say that they wanted to get their hands on some women so that they could rough them up. Um, uh, and so we've seen that repeatedly over the, the demonstrations over the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, in the addition to using sort of sexist insults and insinuations that, that are usually amount to, to verbal sexual harassment, um, security forces um, in, in uniform and in civilian clothing have also uh, physically sexually harassed uh, women or sexually assaulted um, uh, women. And this kind of harassment or assault in, in such spaces really aims to, to punish and deter women from taking part in political activism. But it also has another effect. It encourages uh, male activists or demonstrators to also deter female participation because they fear for the, the, the safety of their female comrades. And so their immediate response is to, to suggest that they shouldn't uh, be, on, be on the streets. Um, uh, and there are a lot of other gendered practices that are used outside of protests as well. Secret services have been known to call women and girls' families to, to discuss their activism uh, and even threaten them. Online, we've seen a lot of targeting of uh, and harassment of women activists. You know, people uh, uploading pictures of, of these activist women targeting, to, targeting them, but also sometimes even uploading pictures of, of random women um, who in their eyes are, you know, scandalously, scandalously dressed um, uh, and, and have claimed that, you know, that, that those women are activists when in fact they're not, they've just found their pictures online. And so that the general narrative that's adopted by the Palestinian Authority and many uh, Fatah loyalists is that the women and activists in the streets are women with loose morals, are, you know, these women are coming with foreign agendas, um, all kinds of uh, specific words are used to, to kind of uh, denote um, the certain things about these women. Um, and, uh, and this comes, uh, you know, this is, again, this is not something that's new, you know, since the very beginning, misogyny has really been a modus operandi for the Palestinian security forces and the larger Palestinian political establishment. And ironically, the international, internationally funded projects, which you know, aim to, to have to include more women in the security sector, have actually only entrenched the misogyny and gendered violence, you know, by pushing more women into the police, into the secret services, into the security forces. International donors have actually helped to expand on the sector's capabilities in targeting female activists. We fear, you know, the female police officers when they come out or the, the female security officers when they come out because they are the ones that will, you know, will, will grab us and will arrest us um, and will do so without any, any qualms. Um, so, you know, this is something that is, that is deeply entrenched and it's, it has a really disturbing 
effects on 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 Palestinian women. When we, as Palestinian women activists, when we go to the streets, you know, we know full well that our bodies might be weaponized against us. So not only do we have to prepare ourselves for demonstrating against a body that is supposed to be representative and is supposed to be serving our liberation, we also have to go ready uh, for knowing full well that our bodies might be assaulted uh, and that you know that and this it, it's incredibly challenging to have to be facing that on on two fronts and it's and it's very disturbing and it also as i mentioned earlier has that very um unfortunate effect on our male comrades as well who internalize um a lot of the misogyny and misogynistic practices that are happening as well thank you yeah and of course that the um the accusation that that feminism is is a foreign agenda is part of a foreign agenda is also very very old this um this idea of of uh women standing up for their rights as something that certainly couldn't be indigenous to palestinians so mona i want to ask you to please add to the picture that yara and asil have been painting um and specifically also about the digital tools that the PA has used to harass and, and to target women. Is this new or have you seen this tactic before? Thanks, Sarah. So uh, as we previously mentioned, Yara, Asil and I, after the PA forces suppressed the protest, stole and confiscated the mobile phones of the protesters and more focused on the protesting women, as Yara said and explained, we monitored a number of accounts of, on social media platforms who were publishing a very private pictures for these ladies as a tool to threatening them, intimidating them, and as an attempt to prevent them from taking the streets again and again. And by doing so, they are they are they 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 know well that we are living in a very patriarchal and conservative community and women have been largely targeted in these attacks. In 2017, I, I would like like to highlight the cybercrime law, which which basically uh, the Palestinian Authority were talking about it as as a tool to uh, protect women and children in the online space. This is like a very bad, it's a nightmare law that uh, the PA have launched in 2017. And we had like a very huge campaign as a Palestinian civil society to uh, amend this law. And with the long advocacy work, we were able to amend it after one year, like in 2018, we have a second version. It was also bad. They are still using it against protesters, against activists, and against human rights defenders, just when they are opponent to the government and when they are critique about the government and especially the PA. The, the main issue with the slow, the, or the main pretext that the PA were, were, were arguing about this law is protecting the women and, uh, and children. By doing what they did, they were putting our lives at risk. They know that in this conservative communities, and they were specifically targeting the uh, women who were from a very conservative background, they know that they, they may intimidate them and they put their lives at risk. And sometimes it, it may reach like to honor killing or what's called honor killing and, and many other issues. And such behavior would for, for sure put our uh, lives at, at risk. And we have, we have also heard from activists and the human rights defenders about their prosecution and pressure 
how how the PA was putting pressure on their families, not only female activists but also our male colleagues. They 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 were facing like a pressure on their families to prevent their their sons and daughters from going out to the streets. And this is like using a very pat patriarchal uh, tools to put pressure on your on your. Uh, sons and daughters from going out to the streets and from being a critique about, about the, the, the system and this regime. And the main objective of what the authority is doing is the social ostracism of women. And therefore, such a thing is horrifying and dangerous and threatens the society's safety, which usually the PA is claiming and taking it like a cover to make all of their laws, which is really um, frustrating for, for activists and for human rights defenders. All, all, all their laws and all their uh, practices that they did uh, with, the digital, with the tech tools and with the digital tools are really violate the minimum, the, minimum, the minimum standards that respect the freedom of opinion and expression and the right to privacy and data protection, all of which are problems that we are already see, are we already facing with the current and existing uh, laws that, that we have in the Palestinian authorities. If this is like a new trend or it was used from before, I believe it's not a new trend. And I think it was used from before, but not from only the PA, but from the secular colonialism regime who, who were usually taking such uh, tools to prevent us from struggling for our rights and uh, for our uh, going out of the streets to, to be critique about their apartheid practices and, and, uh, and policies. So this is not new. And, we have seen this from before, but this is may, maybe the first time that we see the PA are using it, is using it in, in such, um, let's say, intense way. So, yeah, this is like what the tech tools uh, look like or the tech ways that they use to uh, suppress Palestinian voices and especially the Palestinian women. Thank you, Muna. So a, a follow-up question. We, we... Uh, Yara described for us that this this impact uh, on women and also on their on on their male colleagues and a, a kind of um, it sounds as if these the the attempts to deter the protesters may actually be working and and yet here we are having this conversation the three of you are having this conversation very openly uh, you have all been very public about the targeting of women and human rights defenders and the use of digital tools. Asil, you told your story on, on Twitter. Um, you, you documented what happened. You have all documented. So I, I want to ask, what has been the response to people coming forward with their stories of being targeted? How has Palestinian society, media, uh, other parts of Palestinian society responded to the raising up of these stories of repression and, and harassment. Muna, can we start with you for that answer? Yeah, sure. So it's a bit hard to make a generalization in such case because some people are really taking this as a challenge and they want to be much more vocal to prevent the PA from, you need to cut from continu continuation to suppress us in the streets and from preventing us uh, from our freedom of expression and to be critique about their corruption. And because we, as a young generation, we know like, um, we have never been like in, let's say, 
living under a, a, a normal, uh, quote unquote, uh, uh, um, authority that should at least uh, speak and support us in our struggle uh, and, uh, and uh, to confront the Israeli uh, colonialism practices and policies. We we are facing like two um, two regimes or two authorities, the PA and also the Israeli, which is like the PA is a subcontractor as Asil previously mentioned. And because of that, some people are taking this as a challenge and they want to challenge much more and more. But on the other hand, there is such kind of fear and people are really scared from, from to, to continue on this work, specifically with what's happening from arresting high profile people and so on. So this is like a very big de debate and we can like never expect what people are deciding to do. I believe like, Still, the PA, the, the the Palestinian civil society is still taking the lead, and we have like a clear position from human rights organizations to confront what the uh, what the uh, what the PA suppression and how the PA suppression is being used. But still, this is like not enough. We we need like to amplify and to work more more and more, and to 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 create like such a safe space for women also to be in the streets and in protest because what they 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 aiming to do is, is to take us away from from the streets and from the political uh, arena and this is like what they what they are doing from decades ago and they are by by doing so by harassing us by by intimidating us they are like escalating and they are uh, creating like a a fear, a fear um, uh, atmosphere that that prevents women uh, or discourage women from continue in the political way and from the human rights uh, work. So th this is like a very a very big discussion, and I believe like a young generation we should continue and what we started over the past months, let's say, because we it started with the Israeli authorities and now it's a we, we are continuing with the Palestinian uh, authority. So this is like what I, I think about that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Asil or, or Yara, do you want to respond on this question of, of um, Asil, I would love to, to start with you actually, because you told your story of having been harassed. You, you have been telling it publicly. It, do you want to, to respond to this question of, of how you've been received as you've told your story? Yeah, I guess there are many levels of the response. On the one hand, you fear that there is more repression by the Palestinian authority. Uh, on the other hand, as, as a woman also, you're, uh, you have this double pressure from the people you are, you are surrounded by, who love you, your family, who are also afraid that the, your participation will, uh, will uh, cost you. But the way I see it, to be honest, is that the, the reality we are living in is, is even more painful than the, the pressure we are subjected to if we, if we, if we voice our defense. So uh, the reality being, the, the, being under an, an, uh, colonization and also repression by a, a supposed Palestinian leadership, uh, whereby your dignity is not uh, maintained, right? And you're, you're, uh, th there's no future for, uh, for liberation and dignity with this reality. 
So uh, you 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 continue you continue your uh, your activism and the struggle, knowing that it will cost a lot. But the way, it, as personally speaking, uh, I see it more painful to stay silent. Thank you, Asil. Thank you so much, Yara. Do you want? Is there anything you want to add to this? This question? Yeah, perhaps just to say that you know the reaction from other Palestinians has been. Uh, in other areas has also been equally important. Palestinians with um, Israeli citizenship, for example, um, have also, you know, uh, come out to demonstrations. Uh, notably, many of the women beaten up and dragged by the security forces are actually from Jerusalem and have also been at the protests in Sheikh Jarrah. Um, uh, and so, you know, we cannot forget, of course, what has been happening over the last few months, which has been a unifying moment for the Palestinian people. And we're seeing this uh, continue to, to today in the protest against the Palestinian Authority. And I think it says a lot about how Palestinians understand the Palestinian Authority as part and parcel of the oppressive uh, uh, regime, Israeli regime, and that the two can no longer be separated or could never be separated. And it's, no long, it's not acceptable anymore um, to excuse them. Unfortunately, from the, the Palestinian political institutions themselves, we haven't, as one might expect in, in other contexts, we haven't seen, you know, mass resignations or statements of support for activists, which I think uh, just goes to show how deeply embedded uh, this kind of culture of political repression is in the Palestinian political institutions. Thank you, Yara. That's an important point to make. Have you seen any defections from, from Fatah or from... Any Palestinian uh, political figures? Yes, Abbas resigned on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back back to this planet. Um, just as you were just saying, Yara, we, we can't have this discussion about how the PA has been violently repressing protests without discussing the Israeli government and military, which hold the ultimate authority in the West Bank and with which the PA are closely co coordinating in enforcing the occupation and, and quelling protests. And I want to ask each of you to comment on this. Um, Yara, I wanna, let's, let's start with you. Will you talk to us about the PA's relationship to and coordination with Israel? What does it look like? Um, and I want to ask you over, overall, I have a, a, a broad question about how the, the, the current protests against the PA illuminate the work of the PA in, in supporting Israeli domination. But, Go back for us a moment. Nizar Banat was arrested in, in H2. Can, tell us about this security coordination, please. Yeah, and perhaps, it, firstly, before I answer that, I think it's important to contextualize the, the Palestinian Authority and its security forces. That, you know, the Palestinian Authority was created out of the Oslo Accords as this interim body until Palestinian statehood would be achieved. And the security forces are a key pillar of that regime. It exists under this framework of a securitized peace. So in other words, it must work in full cooperation with the Israeli regime. And, and donors, international donors and third state actors alike see the Palestinian security sector as vitally important for maintaining the status quo, uh, maintaining the status quo. And, and since its creation um, in the 90s, it's grown exponentially. You know, the security, Palestinian security sector is responsible for the employment of nearly half of all civil servants. 
and it enjoys a budget that's larger than the education, health, agricultural sectors combined. So the security cooperation between the Israeli regime and the Palestinian security forces, what that includes is, you know, handing over information, uh, whereabouts of Palestinian activists to the Israeli army, such as what happened with Basil al-Araj, a Palestinian activist who was assassinated by Israeli forces um, after his whereabouts were 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 um, were divulged to them by the Palestinian Authority. It also includes joint meetings and workshops, uh, which uh, result in similar techniques of, of um, oppression used against Palestinians across colonized Palestine. It also means that you know it facilitates the entry of the Israeli army into uh, areas A, um, and, and in this case with Nazar Banat in H two. Uh, which is under direct Israeli military control, the Palestinian security forces would have had to have coordinated, communicated to the Israeli army that they are going in. They would have had to have ha had permission to go and do what they did to Nazar Banat. And this is not a one-off. This is a systematized process that happens every single day. Now, all of this, uh, all of this is funded um, uh, and trained by international donors, including the US, the EU, UK, Canada, um, the Palestinian security sector, sector serves to maintain Palestinian compliance and subdue Palestinian resistance to the, to, to the status quo. And if we consider that the largest threat to Palestinian security is the Israeli regime and military occupation, which in turn directly impacts education, health, general well-being of Palestinians, to focus the majority of the money coming into Palestine on the security sector, um, that is not built to maintain Palestinian security, but rather to guarantee Israeli security is completely absurd. But this is the situation that we have. It is a direct outcome uh, of Oslo. Uh, and it's, it's built uh, in mind to keep Israel uh, secure from the people that it oppresses and occupies. Thank you for that. Um very authoritative explanation and, and for laying out these relationships for us. When I want to ask you, can you talk to us about how the protests against the PA relate to the larger struggle of living under Israeli occupation? Yes, sure. So I'll start talking that, or I start, start mentioning that we have not or we did not hear the voice of the PA during all kinds of ag aggressions or attacks that we witnessed in May from the Israeli forces against Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah, in Jerusalem, in Gaza Strip, in, in West Bank, and also against Palestinian citizens of Israel. They were silent. We did not hear any kind of thing from the PA. Um, and either we did not hear anything from them about the de facto annexation that's happening in the West Bank nowadays in Beta and many other villages and cities. Um, so therefore, we say, of course, that the protesters took taking to the streets against the oppression of the authorities, despite its uh, PA authority or the Israeli authorities. And it's very linked because the Palestinian Authority is like a subcontractor of the Israeli authorities, and they are they are like working in harmony with each other and in, in, in a tight and close coordination between each other. They 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 are working, and they are also using the same tactics and tools to suppress people, either from the Israeli from the Israeli uh, settler colonialism. 
regime or from uh, the Palestinian Authority. We have also heard over the past two weeks about the PA, the Palestinian Authority, that, and their announcement to request uh, to purchase equipment and tools to suppress demonstrations from the Israeli uh, authorities or from Israel, uh, which in one way or another will include spy and surveillance technologies from the Israeli authorities who are really pioneers in such suppression tools as they are testing us on testing this on on, on Palestinians before selling it worldwide. And not only spying and surveillance technologies, but other kinds of military tools and weapons that they are usually testing on Palestinians before selling it to the world. So they are using the same technologies, the same tactics, the same tools. Even because it's like very close what's happening on May and what, what's happening in June and now, we can also clearly see see how the Israeli authorities were attacking human rights defenders who were and also journalists who were documenting human rights violations that happening on the streets and that Palestinians are exposed to before sharing it on the social media and how the PA are using such tools because both of them are afraid from ex the exposure of these human rights uh, documentation and because of that they are using same tactics same tools and it's like the the same the same policies they are they are securitizing and militarizing everything in the in the digital space and also in the on the ground work let's say or activism so the repressive tools that they are used to oppress palestinians today are either from the PA or from the Israeli authorities are almost the same because of that, it, they are both linked together. And because of that, Palestinians won't accept any kind of separation, either it comes from the PA or, or it comes from the Israeli pillar colonialism and apartheid regime. So it's like very connected thing. We can't separate them. Thank you. Thank you. Asil, this week, speaking of what Muna is talking about, about the connections, this, this week Israel arrested uh, Farid al-Atrash, an attorney who had just participated in a protest against Nizar Banat's killing and was passing through an Israeli checkpoint. Al-Haq, your Al-Haq, said that, and now I'm quoting Al-Haq, the arrest of Farid illustrates Israel's attempts to discourage individuals and organizations from documenting and highlighting consistent violations of international human rights and humanitarian law in the occupied Palestinian territory. The urgent appeal further underscored the need to address Farid's arbitrary detention within the broader context of Israel's systematic policy of silencing of opposition to maintain its apartheid regime over the Palestinian people as a whole. Will you talk to us about Israel's arrest of Farid and other Palestinian activists and how this struggle against the PA relates broadly to the struggle against Israeli colonization? Uh, of course. Uh, so I think Kiara touched on security coordination uh, or talked about security coordination here. It's important to mention that Farid was actually a human rights defender working at the Independent Commission for Human Rights. And this is a human rights national human rights organization, actually. Uh, and he was a critique of the Palestinian Authority and the Israeli uh, authorities as well. And his arrest came from the Israeli side, but after his protest in, against the killing of uh, Nizar Banat. And it can be read uh, a scenario uh, to see it as a kind of coordinated between uh, the two parties to 
to silence and deter Palestinian activism. And um, and as you said, the 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 uh, actually the the crime of apartheid. Uh, one element of the crime of apartheid is uh, having the the apartheid regime and having an intent uh, intention to maintain the apartheid regime. And this is very much exemplified in Israel's systematic and ongoing and uh, historical and ongoing uh, policy to repress any kind of opposition or resistance by Palestinians. So be it uh, the arrests or torture or the, the targeting of civil society organizations and human rights defenders or the collective punishment uh, of the Palestinian people uh, under the guise of security, of course. Uh, it's, uh, it's absurd as, as, as such as like collectively punishing 2 million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip under the guise of security. So all these measures that Israel does in the name of security is just a form of a, a way to, uh, first of all, weaken the will of the Palestinian people to challenge uh, its apartheid and separate colonial regime. Uh, and it's also a tool by which it, it maintains its apartheid regime. Uh, now, how is this related to how the PA, uh, the, the Palestinian struggle against the PA is related to uh, the struggle? It's very much, the Israeli struggle, it's very much the same because, uh, as Yara said, the PA is, is actually an interim body that was supposed to be there for five years and until uh, final negotiations take place for fundamental issues for the Palestinian people, including, for example, the issue of refugees. So the PA is now acting, has been acting with full corruption, uh, continued to do to suppress Palestinian, uh, Palestinian rights uh, uh, instead of uh, the Israeli side sometimes uh, as part of the security coordination. It has continued to maintain control over all authorities, including the executive and the judicial system, and also uh, the, the uh, uh, legislative uh, part of the authority. Uh, and uh, it has done so while also not representing Palestinian people by neglecting these fundamental issues and historical, uh, the historical context of the Palestinian struggle, which, which when we talk about the refugees, it's the majority of the Palestinian people are refugees. Uh, so when we look at the PA, it's actually an impediment towards the Palestinian uh, struggle towards liberation, because since uh, the Oslo Accords and the creation of the PA, uh, settlement expansion has continued. Uh, actually, there's been uh, a, an infrastructure created uh, in, in, in parallel to this settlement enterprise, including the annexation wall and the, and the, the permanent checkpoints that subjects the Palestinian movement restrictions and, and denies the right of determination ultimately. Uh, there has been the continuation of the security coordination as well as the, the um, uh, uh, controlling the Palestinian economy as well where, with this uh, the, the continuation of the Palestinian authority. So uh, the struggle is pretty much the same because uh, the PA uh, acts uh, in its form now, acts as an impediment towards uh, the struggle towards liberation against Israeli colonization. Thank you. Thank you, Othiel. So what you have all described is um, quite scary and, and daunting. Um, on a personal level, of course, you have talked about demonstrations and um, 
this double targeting and the prospect of bodily harm is scary, no matter how much you can fortify yourself and develop activist discipline. Um, it, it is terrifying. And the need to struggle against Israeli colonization and Palestinian leadership is also daunting. And you have described so effectively, uh, so persuasively, how these, these leaderships are so intertwined um, and the struggle is, is so interconnected. And I want to ask you um, what you are imagining for the next few months. And specifically because these, these last few months, um, and if you have spoken about, I think Muna spoke most about um, the protests in Jerusalem and, and also Yara, you spoke about people from 48 coming out. The last few months have really seen a burst of energy among Palestinians for unity, for rights um, in the West Bank, in Gaza, in diaspora, inside the Green Line, um, this notion of a, of, a, of a new unity intifada. So I, I want to ask you, this is, this is for, each of, for each of you, what you're hoping for in the months ahead. Um, but I want to add to that, that question of hope and ask you specifically um, what you might imagine about the PA in the months ahead. So what you're hoping for and what you're expecting with the PA in the months ahead. Mona, let's start with you. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, so what we hope for is getting the Palestinian rights. I mean, we are struggling over the past decades for, for the Palestinian rights, for the self-determination, for the right to return, for, uh, for, for all the Palestinian rights, I mean, to end this occupation and so on. So this is what we are aiming for. This is what we are hoping. And uh, this is what we want because of that, we are, we are struggling this, this complex uh, situation that we are living in. We hope like also this political split and political division between the West Bank and Gaza Strip is soon to be ended and to be like when, uh, to be like Palestinians can and move freely between the West Bank, Gaza Strip, Jerusalem, and also uh, with, the, with the 48 lands. So this is like what we are aiming for, what we hope as Palestinians. We hope like everyone between the, 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 the river and the sea can live in freedom, equality, and dignity. This is what we work for. This is what, believe in, what we believe in. But what we are expecting is a bit harder because the reality that we are living in, that the, the struggle that we are facing and confronting uh, either with the PA or with the Israeli government is making it such complex. We are, we are really scared um, as an activist, and also as organizations because of all the complex situation that, that they are, that they, they are uh, putting in front of us. And uh, with, with, with everything that, that they are uh, using to suppress people, to suppress critique voices, this is like spreading the politics of fear, uh, securitizing and militarizing everything, intimidating people and creating this kind of life that you have only to think about your own your own issues, not as a collective issue for Palestinian free, freedom and the Palestinian uh, people dignity and and um, and living in uh, in a free Palestine. So a bit that the, the reality is a bit complex, but our hopes are really high and we will continue what, 
what our grandfathers and grandmothers started from decades ago to have to, to, to live like in, in a free Palestine, let's say. Thank you. Yara, I want to ask you the same question. And, um, and I actually want to add to it. So it's, what are you hoping for? What are you expecting? But also a question of, um, in terms of what are you expecting from the PA, I want to, to also ask you um, how you think that Western human rights organizations should be relating to the PA. And um, let's start there. Um, well, I, my hopes are very different from my expectations. Um, my hopes in the next few months are very much for mobilization to continue for us to remain steadfast amidst the, the violent repression and for us to sort of uh, develop into a larger and wider movement uh, for Palestinian liberation that includes uh, calls for the dismantlement of the Palestinian Authority. However, my expectations are, um, I think, a lot more stark than that. I think over the next few months, we'll see increased um, PA repression. I think we'll see a lot more arrests and coordinated arrests with the Israeli regime as well. Um, I think this has shocked many in Palestinian civil society, but I think sometimes shocks are good and important, especially to burst that Ramallah bubble that many of us live in, exist in and work in. Um, and I think it was effective in doing that. So I hope that we remain steadfast. And if I know Palestinian people, and I do quite well, uh, we, we will. Um, as for Western um, organizations, uh, human rights organizations and solidarity organizations, I think it's important to place incredibly harsh uh, restrictions uh, on the Palestinian Authority. I know that many outside are, are uh, fearful of getting involved in what they call Palestinian internal politics. Um, but they have to understand as Palestinians, many Palestinians do, that the Palestinian Authority functions as a subcontract of the Israeli regime. We can no longer accept Palestinian Authority officials to speak on behalf of the Palestinian struggle. People should not be inviting Palestinian officials to, to speak on, on behalf of Palestinians. They, personally, I think that these organizations should be cutting all um, ties where possible uh, with uh, such bodies because uh, this is this might be the only way in which we can apply that pressure. Moreover, I think that the international donor community needs to cut funding to the Palestinian Authority's security forces. Of course, this won't happen. We know why it won't happen because that uh, mechanism is so important for maintaining and maintaining the status quo and subduing Palestinians. But if international donors were really interested in human rights, they would cut that funding to the security forces. Thank you, Yara, and thank you for that clarity. I see a, a question for you. What are you hoping for in the months ahead and, and what do you expect? Um, yeah, I don't want to repeat what has been said because there's kind of contrast uh, between what, what we hope for and what we expect. I do agree with Yara that we expect more repression, uh, but I just have, some kind of hope because the, the, the context of the PA repression comes in light of after the suppression, massive suppression, suppression of the uh, United Uprising 
that was uh, that erupted uh, in the past couple of months. Uh, and the, the repression of the Israeli regime of the protests uh, has changed some things. Uh, and Yara, I think she wrote about that, about the fragmentation of the Palestinian people and how the protests have uh, been, because they have been led uh, and have been voicing that the Palestinian people as a whole are subjected to this Israeli settler colonial regime wherever they are. Uh, so there's a kind of change in narrative, which is a positive, a positive uh, thing, and it gives hope. And also the, the, the way I see it that the more repression the PA in Israel is doing, it kind, kind of gives a signal that they are in a shaky position uh, because violence, uh, by the, the more violence uh, they, they do, uh, yeah, it just gives a signal that they are in, in a weak position. So, um, and for hoping for what, what we are hoping for is that the Palestinian people continue to demand their right and, and mobilize and uh, on the ground in Palestine and also on the international level. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Asil, Yara, Mona, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you to everyone who joined us, who listened to this event. We are so glad to be able to share this conversation with you. Please check back at the FMEP website, www.fmep.org, for a full list of resources relating to this conversation. Please check back for announcements of upcoming events and join us on Tuesday for an event of a completely different flavor. It's called Make Them Laugh, Comedy and the Fight for Palestinian Rights. And it is going to feature Maysoon Zaid, the actress, comedian, writer, and disability advocate, along with Noam Schuster, Jewish-Israeli comedian, performer, peace builder, and activist. Thank you to Yara, Muna, and Asil, and thank you to everyone who listened. Goodbye for now. Thank you.